and welcome back to Sports Talk Therapy. We are recording this on January 26th after Super Wildcard Weekend and the Divisional Round. I have a thought that we're probably going to talk more about the Divisional Round games considering how great this past weekend was. But first, as always, we're not going to talk just about football. A couple topics outstanding. Yeah, Finn, first of all, I'd like to congratulate you on you did not count down 3-2-1 this time. It's, um, it... You're breaking the habit. <laughs> Slowly but surely. But yeah, a lot has gone on. Um, super wildcard weekend was like pretty super, but then, I don't know. Divisional round weekend was like super, like uppercase letters, bold, underlined, in red. Um, it was awesome. It was great, and we'll get to it, but... Um, a lot of important stuff going on. Uh, Colin started a real job. Um, he's no longer pursuing his golf YouTube career yet. We're just putting it off a couple of years. We'll get there. Um, I tried the greatest pasta place of all time, which we'll get to too. And uh, yeah, Finn didn't go to a basketball game. We lost by 50 points. So it's been a very successful week. That yeah, we're all, we're all killing it right now, boys. Hmm. More importantly... Colin and I on Saturday watched the Villanova game at the Ugly Duckling, and they had ducks like in our drinks, on our burgers, Ooh, rubber nice. ducks everywhere. Dude, I wanted to buy some duck merch so bad. Yeah, Finn. Colin walks in to the restaurant. We have not ordered food, a drink, anything. Colin just sees the ambiance and goes. The first thing he asks, like, like, can I get a drink? Can I get an appetizer? No. He's like, do you have any duck merch? That's awesome. Unfortunately, they were out of duck merch, and Colin was very upset. Dude, um, like the duck sweatshirt was fucking sick. I was, I was so stoked about the duck sweatshirt. Holy fuck, I want that sweatshirt so bad. Mm. Colin just went duck, <laughs> goose. I'm so funny. Okay, um, anything. Colin, about your uh, your inaugural day at work, or should I just launch into my uh, my record breaking pasta night? I don't know what record I broke, but I'm excited. You can launch into your record breaking pasta night. It, dude, it's weird to work on like computers that like aren't really shitty Chromebooks. <laughs> it's like the first time I've in my life I've like ever. This is like the first time in years that I've used like a real computer. Mm. Shout out, shout out, Jay Prakash. I know you're out there somewhere. Wait, which one was the helpful one? Jay Prakash or Jaya Prakash? Because I remember one you had issues with, and one was helpful. Yes, Jay per- Jay Prakash was the helpful one. Jaya Prakash was the shit one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, that's an important distinction. You can't slander Jay Prakash, but you also can't say anything nice about Jay Prakash, so you better have it right. Real ones know about Jay Prakash and Jay Prakash. But anyway, um, so before we get to actual content, uh, here's my comedic relief for the day. So uh, just average day at work, just busy, busy, not much going on. It's like negative five degrees outside, so I wasn't really too concerned about it. Um, 630 was like, okay, like, let's take a break. Let's go to the gym, go to the gym, did a nice leg day. And I was like, great. I just had a great workout. Let's go get some food. I'm starving. So I go to go to sweet green, sweet green, great establishment, great food. But like, I don't know. You think I just worked out sweet green fits 
I was not wearing my banker vest, so it doesn't quite fit. But anyway, um, this weekend was closed. It closed at eight, but it closed at seven forty, and I was like, "Dang it! Like that's not allowed." And I like didn't want to walk and go buy food to cook, but like I also didn't want fast food. And I was like, "Wait a second, this is pasta place that I've walked by now maybe a dozen times." And the concept for all the listeners at home who have been to Duck Donuts, um, it's like Duck Donuts but for pasta. So you walk in and there's just like a menu of like pastas and then sauces. So I walk in, I look at all the types and I talk to the guy. Also, we've got to back up. They've got giant glass windows, like showing you like they're making pasta. So it's really cool. And I walk in and I'm greeted by a nice fellow with a very thick Italian accent and a huge smile. I mean, you can't really, you can't beat that. I've got a super Italian guy making me pasta. They're like, yeah, I'll take the the parpadelli and the fettuccine. Takes out some dough, rolls it through a press, cuts it, and then just drops it in like this like pasta like boiler thing. So when it was like done cooking, it just floats. And then they take it out. And they take some sauce. They like put a little bit of sauce and they mix it up with like some like tongs and hot water and then they coat it with sauce on the top and they grate cheese on it. And oh. So good. I meant to get one for lunch tomorrow, but I ate both because they were that good. Um, but yeah, um, absolutely unbelievable establishment. I will single-handedly make sure this place stays in business. Um, I was there 10 minutes before closing, so I don't know if they're ever busy. But I will be going back, and next time you're here, you'll be going back. Colin, this would have been your apartment that you signed the lease for and didn't sign the lease for was across the street. Really? Maybe a crisis averted because you would have been like a million pounds, but <laughs> it is it is amazing. Which place? Which place? It's called Maestro. Maestro. Oh, and it's across from Fulton. It's like right across the street. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it's a good thing, bro. I would I I wouldn't be able to tolerate it. My stomach would explode. Yeah, and also about all this i mentioned how cool it was so i got to watch them cut the pasta boil the pasta sauce the pasta this was all in under two minutes like wow i was shocked i assumed like there'd be like something more of this process but no they take out the fresh dough he rolls it a couple times he cuts it drops it in the water asks me what sauce i want coats it with love and then i'm out the door that sounds like the pasta of your dreams just it's like Chipotle, but pasta, but fresh. Oh, it's so good that I texted my like uh, group chat with my cousins, aunts, and uncles about it, and they thought it was a fake concept. I'm like, no, no, no. I found it, <laughs> and it is good. And my uncle, who uh, big food guy, um, and I mean that in the best way, likes same, a lot of food. Same uncle Ver- that was previously mentioned for a scandalous sweater. No, different uncle. This uncle, I've actually got to find this picture. Um, he is very funny and likes food and cheese. And for uh, Christmas, his daughter picked out a shirt. It was a cheese shirt fin and it had a lot of puns on it. Let's see if I can source this quickly enough. Oh, here we go. <sighs> Sweet dreams are made of cheese. Who am I to disagree? I cheddar the world in the feta cheese. Everyone is looking for stillion. Art. The song, the song, but that song, sweet dreams, but with cheese. But anyway, um, pasta, fantastic. 
I did a top five of pasta sauces already. I might have to redo it. I might just go back to this place every day until I try all the sauces and all the pastas. Um, but yeah, I think I've had enough banter and we can probably talk about something that people might care about and not laugh at. So there we go. <laughs> One more question on this topic before we get there. Sorry, Sean. Uh, Finn, I, this is this is great. I can talk about <laughs> this pasta place forever. Unfor- my question is actually for Colin here. Oh, no. Colin, who would you rather have serve you food? This Italian man that made the pasta of Sean's dreams or the guy in Budapest that stared into your soul when he asked you if you wanted spicy sauce on your gyro or not? The owner of Salt and Kebab is just... He's a legend, bro. Just like... Sean, answer me this question. Is your restaurant on Google Maps? <laughs> it is indeed on Google Maps. It does exist. See, I have to go with Salt and Kebab then. Just... Just sheer ballsiness to have your restaurant like in a massive square of commerce and just take it off Google Maps, intentionally make it not exist. Just can't beat it, bro. Can't beat it. I've also never been able to like find that sauce anywhere. Spicy? Like, yeah. Like, I don't know what the fuck it was. Like I've tried a lot of places and I have not found it. So, it's a damn shame. I am excited to go try this Italian place, though. Pasta place. Colin, Colin takes the subway down on day three of work, like, 45 minutes, like, round trip to get pasta. I probably will. But... Probably. That might have been the highlight of my sophomore year summer internship, was Dave Portnoy rated Angelo's Pizza a 9.3, and it was a solid 20-minute walk from my office, but... I wasn't getting paid and I was getting paid to eat lunch. So I walked very fast and could did in 15 minutes, but I walked both ways. Um, so I was out of the office for like 45 minutes and came back with a great pizza, but people liked it cause I gave them a slice pizza. So there you go. And that was attitude. Is that the, so did Dave also review at Angelo's in Philadelphia? Yes. Different. Different one because you yeah. also give that one a pretty high score, right? That one also got a very high score. And I remember uh, some of my friends tried to go after a basketball game at a three hour wait. I do not care how good the pizza is, I'm not waiting three hours. That's a crazy amount of time, especially if Sean's hungry. But all right, um, should we talk about the record breaking? ridiculously exciting football games or should I figure out another food topic to talk about? You can talk about the games, I guess. I guess. Maybe. Divisional right. round. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, Finn, I was going to kick it to you, Finn. I said, where should we, where should we start? I mean, I feel like Bill's Chiefs has to be last, but other we're than gonna, that, we're going to go kind of we're going to go chronological order, divisional round. I mean, if we want to pepper in some thoughts from wildcard weekend as well, we can. But with the divisional games fresh in our mind, I think we start there. So the first one, Bengals at Titans. Titans being the number one seed that nobody expected in the AFC. Titans felt that they were disrespected. Um, I never fully trusted them, but with Derrick Henry coming back, not only Derrick Henry, but bionic Derrick Henry with that steel plate in his foot. 
coming back. Um, I was starting to lean more towards as the week went on picking them, but uh, that was not the case. It was not. And before we get to, we'll get the game picks eventually. I feel that I picked the teams that should have won every game, but something went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I mean, I don't know about that, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, some great game started that one, Finn, and I'm completely with you. I was not buying the Titans at all. the The Bengals are young, they're exciting, and they've got nothing to lose. Like. They're already the greatest team in Bengals franchise history. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, the Bengals need to figure out the offensive line because, like, I'm sorry, but if you're gonna get sacked that much against the Titans, and you're gonna get like, and you're gonna score less than whatever, what do they score? 17, 18 points. Nineteen. Nineteen. Like, that's not gonna cut it this week. Like, you're gonna have to figure it out. Like, and I, and that's they, they just. Their offensive line is absolutely putrid, but they're so fun, man. They're going to be good for a long time. I don't know. If, I don't know if this year's the year. I, I don't really believe in them this week, but they played a, a good game against the Titans. Came out with a, a dub and a tight one. I thought the Titan like it's it's that game was depressing to me to watch for the Titans because I thought like they probably very well could have won that game, and they've been like at least like I can believe in that the the Bengals are going to be around for a long time. Titans probably don't have that long, honestly. Like, this was a good year for them to try and make a run. With not a lot of other teams until late in the season, looking really good. A lot of teams in the beginning of the season, there's kind of that power vacuum. Other than maybe like, yeah, but the Chiefs really came on late, but and the Bills, but you know, I don't know. This game was sad to me to watch as someone who who likes Ryan Tannehill a lot. It was depressing. Yeah, Tannehill Con. He, he looked. Bad. He's he's holding the only thing holding that team back. That's kind of the, the sad part. I mean that, but that's the the thing is like I actually think he played really well like all year this year, and he just had a tough game in this game, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm I'm closer to what Colin said there than just the Ryan Tannehill's bad take, but yeah, you can't watch it. He played poorly. He is the number one reason why they lost this game. Back-breaking interception. Looking like they were going to go to overtime. He threw an interception on their final drive. Bengals are going... By the way, though, can we talk about Evan McPherson for a second? Rookie kicker. Dude, that guy's a stud. (laughs) Unbelievable. Made four field goals in this game, including the game winner from 52 yards as time expired. Not only did he do that... This man is so confident that before he ran out there for his kick, he was running around the sideline, or he said he did a couple of warm-up kicks and then told uh, the back quarterback, Brandon Allen, that said, well, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. Then he ran out into the field, kicked it, and they're going to the AFC Championship game. Now, so, dude, she, he already has the Bengals record for 50-yard field goals. Does he really? Yeah. All-time or in a season? All-time. What? <laughs> How is yeah. that real? The Bengals are not a young franchise. No. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Bengals going to their first AFC Championship game in a long time. Um, not – I have to bring this because I just saw it. 
the Browns caught a lot of strays this weekend, most of which I was expecting and fine with, but one I wasn't expecting was now that the Bengals have made the AFC Championship game the longest AFC Championship game draw is the Browns. Like, I didn't need that in my life. Oof. Why? That's just like, I don't know, Finn, that's, that's when, you act, when you hold the door for someone and then, like, you go to leave the next person, you drop and actually hits them in the face. Like, it's just... Yeah. It was uncalled for. It's targeting. It's 15 yards, automatic first down. All right. Second game, probably, I don't know if you guys agree, I think this is definitely the most surprising result of the weekend. The San Francisco 49ers, Aaron Rodgers' favorite team, the team that he wanted to be drafted by in 2005 that passed him up, beat him again in the playoffs. 13 to 10 in what might have been the worst offensive performance I've ever seen win a playoff game. Um, Colin, we'll have to kick it to you first. How are you feeling about this? Sorry about what? <laughs> about Colin, this. you're not on the Chromebook anymore. You do not have this excuse. I am still on the Chromebook. I'm not on my company laptop. Ah. I won't. I won't use the excuse for that one. I was just lost in the sauce. <laughs> totally fine. Were you, were you lost in the Bolognese or the Alfredo? Both. That's a great answer because I did it both. <laughs> were you lost in the quick Bolognese? Dude, never. Never again. Sneaky. <laughs> never trust it. Now I also forgot where you asked, Finn. So. <laughs> 49ers Packers. Colin. Yeah. Fuck the Packers, to quote Robbie Gold and Jimmy Garoppolo. Little bitches. I can't wait till they're $50 million over the cap next year and Aaron Rodgers retires in a hissy fit of vaccine denialism and bitchiness. Bunch of Garbo, Garbo franchise. I was so happy when they lost that game to the 49ers, dude. Oh, my God. They had every opportunity to win it. They should have, like, I'm sorry. Like, your special, number one, your special teams are absolutely atrocious. I can't believe that you, but, like, you got to score more than 10 points, bro. It's your field. You're in Lambeau. Come on. What are you doing? It was more so, I think, the Packers lost that game than the Niners won. I know it was terrible weather. I know it was adverse conditions, but that was tough. Like it was an exciting game. It was close, but tough to watch at times. But uh, Niners got it done when it counted. And Colin, like you said, I honestly don't know what they did because like they've only won one Super Bowl. They've been good for a while, yes, but like I don't know. The Packers just became like unlikable. I don't know. I can't really pinpoint why, but. Well, is just an unlikable star. Like there are a lot of stars out there that are like, like Brady. Whenever he talks, is significantly more likable than Rodgers. Rodgers comes off as a douchebag constantly. Maybe I have the secret. Maybe Aaron Rodgers like me and loves strawberries. Probably. Bro. I don't know, but yeah, I'm with you, Colin. I don't. I honestly don't know what it is, but like, I don't. You you have a reason to dislike the Packers. I do not. And I still, in that game, I don't like the Niners either, but I was like, yeah, it would be kind of nice if they won. But, but yeah. Um, I do not think the Niners have a chance <laughs> next yeah, week. But 
yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there. But just to catch anybody that might have missed what happened in this game here, the 49ers were putrid on offense the entire game. Their only touchdown came on a blocked punt that happened in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. It was returned by a man named Talanoa Hufanga for a touchdown. So it's funny this can't you mentioned that, Finn. I was watching the game, and I specifically brought up that he was a Hawaiian guy, but not like a fat Hawaiian guy. This is correct. He's just like a, a regular Hawaiian guy. Yes, but – the just briefly it was mentioned before here, but the Packers special teams, <laughs> hilariously awful. They had the blocked punt, they had a blocked field goal, they had a missed field goal. They let up like a long return at one point. I think it was just absolutely absurd. And uh, yeah, I have serious questions about Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay. Will they trade him? Will he play out the last year on his contract? Will he retire? Who knows what he'll do, but the 49ers move on to the NFC Championship. Did not see that one coming. Like Finn, like you said, this was a game of like special teams miscues, but it was also the game of we're going to give Debo Samuels the ball if he's no matter how bruised, battered, cold, bleeding, hurt he is, and he's going to get it done. That man is an absolute animal. Um Probably didn't show as much as it should have on the stat sheet, but he literally carried, like, they would have just had a three and out every single possession if he wasn't on that team. Um, but yeah, absolute beast. Uh, that's, that's like the Colin definition of absolute beast, so that's a great term of respect. Um, but yeah, shout out Debo Samuels for just going off, even though it didn't really, I mean, I guess it did help them, but like, it won't show in the, he made a number of huge play again. Like, like I agree, Sean. On the stat sheet, you might be like, "Oh, he didn't really have that big of a game," but he made a number of huge plays that resulted in them winning the game. He had a long kick return. I, when you mentioned that he was, you know, bruised and battered, there was one play. But I think it was the play he got really hurt on. He had a run up the middle in the fourth quarter that just he had no business getting a first down on, and he somehow pulled it off. He's a like third and eight or whatever, too. Like third and seven. Like, they really shouldn't have even run the ball. And they just ran like a draw when he goes, like, going to get stuffed. And then he just get, got a first down. Yeah, dude. Absolutely ridiculous player. And the man who is, or two, the two people who are most responsible for the Debo Samuel wide receiver running back revolution are Kyle Shanahan, who most of us know about, and. Mike McDaniel. How much do you guys know about 49ers offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel? Zero. Um, he, I, I'm trying to Google him now, and he's five foot nine. He is a five foot nine Yale grad who I don't know how it happened, but he ended up becoming really good friends with Kyle Shanahan. He's followed him all around the NFL. He's a hot name for to be a head coach candidate in this upcoming cycle. Uh, some fun notes about Mike McDaniel. He has serious concerns about accepting a head coaching position in a state where there is not legalized recreational marijuana. Also, <laughs> during yeah, a I recent... I did see that clip. Okay, yes. I didn't know that was him. Yeah. He also, during a recent press conference when NFL reporter Mike Jones asked him a question, he interrupted him doing the who Mike Jones bit. Absolutely fantastic. 
And the other thing that I didn't realize until I saw it on Twitter that just made me so happy, I think I've actually mentioned it on the show before, what I think the best play in NFL history is. It's the Cleveland Browns, Johnny Manziel gets into a fake argument with the coaches on the sideline, and then he runs a route, but then it got called back for a penalty that had nothing to do with what Johnny Manziel actually did. Have I talked about that to you guys before? Rings a bell, but can't really yeah, recall. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had discussions with you about that. Great play. The two guys who were fake arguing with him on the sideline, Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. They were the architects of this genius, and I didn't even know it. There you go. And Finn, while we're talking about random 49ers coordinators, I had a, uh, a very old moment when I was oh, watching yep. this game and realized that D'Amico yep. Ryan – is mm-hmm. their defensive coordinator? Yeah, I have a fathead of him. I have a fathead tradable of him on my wall on the Texans. Fathead tradables, wow. Yeah, he fits in that era. He was a great player. Yeah, I remember it was him and Brian Cushing. Brian Cushing, oh my god, wow. There you go. That's pretty much all my knowledge of like the mid two thousands Texans, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we are starting to get to that point where some players like like D'Amico Ryan's are becoming coaches. Kellen Moore becoming a coordinator was a pretty big one for me, being like, "Whoa, that guy's already that old." Yeah, I remember him playing on the blue field. Yep, there's a few other ones too that I can't remember exactly right off the top of my head, but yeah, D'Amico, I was also stunned to learn that D'Amico Ryan's was the defensive coordinator of the Forty Niners. All right, so I guess any more commentary from this game, or Colin just thrilled the Packers' loss? Thrilled the Packers' loss. There we go. Uh, Just moving on, the other Saturday game we already talked about. So on to Sunday, Uh, Bucks-Rams. Now, funny story this one. Um, I thought this game was also over, so I went to church, and it was 27-3. And then I went to church, walked to the grocery store, and I got back, and it was – a seven-point seven game. And I'm like, oh, no. Here goes this man again. He's going to do it again. And then he would have, but Cooper Cup was too good. Yeah, I was, I was fading in and out of watching this game. Um, I got hooked into – I don't know if you guys watch Ozark. I was watching the recent season four release of that show. And I think once I got to 27 through, I just fully flipped on Ozark and was following along with the game on my phone. And then things changed in quite a hurry. Um, this is another one where Colin, I feel like, has the most sentimental value to this game because his boy, Matt Stafford, is going to the NFC Championship. Shout out Stafford, bro. He said he couldn't do it. Said it was he was not that good. Said all the stuff about him. Goes out, scores a bunch of points. Cam Akers tried to give the game away, but what are you going to yeah, do? Everybody on the Rams tried to give the game away, specifically Cam Akers, but yeah, especially yeah. Cam Akers, but like a lot of people on the Rams tried to get the game away, but particularly him. But hey, they beat Tom Brady in the Bucks, defending champs. Um, Stafford's been great all playoffs. That throw to Cooper Cup at the end of the game to seal it. Just oh God, I miss that man, dude. I miss him so much, but I'm glad that we set him free. Go get a Super Bowl, big bye. Big bye. Big bye. Okay. Big bot, the big. Oh no, that's not. <laughs> for some reason I thought that was going to be related to something else. Okay, 
Um, yeah, Cooper Cup going for nine for 183 yards and a touchdown in this one. He is where in, where would you rank him in the league's wide receivers right now? I mean, like based on this year, he's like probably one. <laughs> but like, if you're asking me who I'm gonna take, like he still might be one. <laughs> him and like Devonte Adams and um. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that he's definitely in the conversation there. Really a stunning turnout. Shows the value of what they eat breakfast together every morning or whatever it is. Clutch. Very key relationship. See, that shows that us talking about food all the time on this show is worthwhile. If food can Dude, cause it's, Stafford it's, and Cup. That's very true. And it's, it, you know what's crazy? He gets doubled, like, more than any – or, like – at like one of the highest rates of any guy in the league, and he's still like always open, no matter. Like, that's what I was really wondering about that last play. Like, I don't know. I'm not a coach of any sport at this point, but if you're playing, if you're playing basketball in the situation, LeBron James has the ball with five seconds to go, and like every other player is a scrub, you're guarding him. If you're pitching to Barry Bonds, who should have gotten the Hall of Fame, we will get there. Um, even though I don't really like him, but it's just stupid. But anyway, um, you don't throw him a fastball down the middle. Like, what were they thinking? Like, they left Cup in single coverage with no help, and he got he burned a safety. Like, come on. Like, Todd Bowles, you're no longer a head ca- coaching candidate. You're benched. Yeah, it was, it was a strange decision. Don't really know how to explain it at all right there. Anton Winfield's usually a good safety, but he got burnt by Cooper Cup like many other DBs have. But flipping over to the the Bucks here, Tom Brady almost had 28-3 and 27-3. He did. It did take four Rams fumbles, <laughs> including one that's every center's worst nightmare where the snap just goes over everybody's head and flies back 20 yards. Um, so they definitely needed a lot of help to get back into the position where they had the game tied late in the fourth quarter, but still an amazing performance from Brady, but a better one from the Rams. But I didn't expect to hear retirement chatter from Brady after this game, but what do you guys think about that? I I don't know if I would buy it, but I guess I could see it, man, just because like at some point he's like got to – hang out with his family seems like he'd like keep saying like yeah i would need to go be like a husband and a dad so maybe but like i don't know if he's gonna end on this i was gonna say if he won the super bowl this year i think he retires but he's wired to win like he's not i don't know i would find it very hard to believe that he would go out like with his like Antonio Brown nonsense and like losing like after almost coming back like this, um, yeah, I I think he's back. Uh, they're a really good team and they will be next year as well. Um, so I think he comes back, runs it back again, because honestly, like the NFC just is not strong. Um, like it's just not. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think he comes back. Rodgers, on the other hand, I don't know. I think he, Yeah, I would say Rodgers more likely to retire than Brady for me right now. 
Retire. Wow. So I think he plays. I just don't know what team it's going to be for. I think he's like enough of a bitch that he might just draw fit and leave the league. <laughs> no bias in that statement, right? Retires. Like I don't know if he stays retired, but I think he might do it. Maybe he pulls a Brett Favre and like retires and unretires. He like specifically said like I'm not going to do that, but like I could definitely see him doing that. Yeah, it's kind of like the. Uh... I don't know, we might get into it at some point later, but the Sean Payton right now, stepping yeah, away we, from the Saints, and then saying, what? like, I wouldn't call it a retirement. He's definitely going to come back to coaching in, like, two years. Yeah, that was weird. Um, I was very busy at work, and I, like, totally missed that. And then I saw that and text about that in the Hall of Fame announcement, and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, that was pretty surprising. The Saints are... I, if Brady actually retires, the NFC South is going to be such a sad division with the Panthers dumpster fire. The Falcons are always in this state of flux where you never know. what's. They honestly might be the, <laughs> the best team in the NFC South if Brady retires. Because if Brady retires, a bunch of other bucks are going to go too. And then the Saints, who the hell knows where they're going to start a quarterback? Jameis. He's, he's, he's free agent again. We'll Got to bring him back. He's yeah. not not a Hall of Famer. We all know that. That's a fact. That's a fact. All right, we're going to move into the game. The game of the century. Hey. Um, and as we speak, Josh Allen is currently flipping coins over and over, guessing what they are. <laughs> oh, man. Chiefs 42, Bills 36. To start this off here, I know it's hard to rank all of the football games we've watched in all of our lives. But just gut feeling, where would you place this? But what number would you put on it for like the best games you've ever watched in your life? I'd, I'd stick in the top five without really thinking about it. Um, it wasn't like... It was probably the most explosive, exciting finish I've ever seen. Like, it wasn't... There was no bad play it was just well the bills defense last possession yes but it was just like gunslinging back and forth high powered offense like i can think of like classic games like for instance like finn 2008 giants patriots all-time classic game Mm -hmm. uh but like for very very different reasons this was really one of a kind in that like it was two extremely high powered offenses like firing on all cylinders and just whoever got the ball in that overtime game is going to win like it no question about it. And the fact that it even got there is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to call this one the second best game I've ever watched and second best NFL game I've ever watched in my life, only behind the 28-3 Super Bowl. Um, As you say, Finn, is it behind the, the Browns-Steelers playoff game? That se- Sentimental value, I mean, that's number one, clearly. But <laughs> in terms of the objective best games I've ever watched in my life, it's going to be number two. Um. Yeah, in this game, I mean, it was a great game for the first three quarters. But then after the two-minute warning, oh, my God. Chaos. Did the fireworks start. First you have fourth and 13. Josh Allen finds Gabriel Davis. And then they well, get man, two- How many touchdowns, Finn? Gabriel Davis had four touchdowns and 201 yards. Gabriel and lost. Davis. <laughs> In a loss. So, Bills take the lead with a minute 54 left. 
Oh, no, too much time for Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill, 64-yard touchdown catch. Oh, no, too much time for Josh Allen. Another touchdown pass to Gabriel Davis with 13 seconds left. 13. 13 seconds. I I mean, I was going to make a joke that I, I couldn't walk to the other side of my room in 13 seconds, but I live in a very small apartment, so I can't make that joke. But you, it is not a lot of time. And what did he do? You can't even, like, fathom, like, what happened here. The fact that – I was talking about this with Jack earlier. The Bills defense, like, supposed to be, like, one of the best defenses in football, and you can't stop them from going 44 yards in, like, 10 seconds. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, that last play they ran to Kelsey, where now they released the audio, and, like, Mahomes literally just like, do it, Travis, do it, like – they're just playing playground football. Like, run as fast as you humanly can, and I'm going to throw the ball as hard as I can and catch it. Like, unbelievable execution. Like, literally flawless. And, uh, yeah, the last two minutes of this game were probably, like, the most exciting two minutes you've ever seen. Yep, it's nonstop. Kept getting crazier and crazier. Like Sean said, whoever got the ball in overtime is going to win the game. Uh, Chiefs go down right down the field, throw it to Travis Kelsey. Chiefs move on to the AFC Championship game. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw the quote when there were 13 seconds left. Andy Reid walked up to Patrick Mahomes and said, when it's grim, be the grim reaper. What a line. What a game. Poor Buffalo. They'll be back. But, man, that's a heart-wrenching loss. But Chiefs pulled it out. Anything else on any of the games from this weekend, from the divisional round? Uh, I think on my end, um, pretty good. Colin? I think, do we lose Colin? I was, I was, I, I, <laughs> I haven't heard him in a while. Yeah, I he hasn't said anything time, in a while. But we're generally pretty good at this fan. We just like spitball for like a good like few minutes and Colin's gone. But I had the screen up like where it has – for all, all the loyal listeners at home, as our names, sometimes I don't put my name, sometimes I'll put something fun or not fun, like Daniel Jones. Um, and it has like the audio things up and down when you're talking. And Colin's been a straight line for a good at least four minutes at this point. Um, so it's a two man show, but the show must go on. Um, oh, back, boys. look at that every time, it's perfect, yes, sir. Attitude, but I was going to say, Finn, I was thinking things to kill time. Uh, Colin and I went out to eat Saturday and I invited another Colin because he's not allowed to go anywhere if there's not another Colin or another Finn present <laughs> it's illegal nope uh, so Colin um, do you have any comments on the Bills Chiefs game late game change the overtime rules that's one thing we did not talk about yet Colin actually so great transition um, what do you think they should do because this is not okay I don't care what it is. It's just got to give both teams a chance on offense. Other than that, I have no criteria. My problem is, and I I know that, like, if you look at statistically, it's like the college advantage of going second is actually greater than the NFL advantage of going first, believe it or not. But 
in the playoffs, when you have teams with good offenses, the team that gets the ball wins 70% of the time on the first possession. So it's like, I need to see more OT play in playoff games. Like, I don't want it to end on the first possession. When you have firepower offenses, like, it's just crazy to me. So I, I don't care what it is. I just want both teams to possess the ball. Like, especially in a game like that, Colin, where it's an all-time finish, great game. Like, if the Bills got the ball back, I'm 100% certain they're scoring. Like, they're not going to go well, three dude, Neither of those teams could stop a freaking cold. Yeah, I think that's one thing that you did, we did learn in this game, like, overall. Uh, fatigue on defense is a real thing, I guess. Like, I mean, I guess it makes sense. When you're playing a sport, you get tired, but, like, holy cow. Like, both those defenses at that point were, like, struggling to stand up. And it was, like, what, negative 10? No, not negative 10, but it was not warm. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with with you on overtime rules need to be changed. Not exactly sure what to. The thing that just popped into my mind right now is having – keeping that 10-minute overtime period – you play that out, and then if you're still tied after that, doing the uh, the two point conversion off that college just adopted this year, which I thought was pretty fun. Fan, one thing I thought of too is since the end of that game is so exciting, what do we think of a like two minute drill type situation? You give each team two minutes from the twenty, and I don't know whoever gets further or whoever scores, they just have to keep matching each other. That would be interesting. I would watch that. Like, I don't know, have some sort of like scoring system, like for every 10 yards you get, like the other team also came out. I don't know. Could could play. Yeah. But they, they adopted these rules sort of like baseball adopted the stupid second base rule. It's just to speed speed the game up to I prevent like injuries, that. but it just makes it worse. You didn't like the, the runner on second in extra innings? I mean, when you have Edwin Diaz pitching for you, that's a you know? okay, sure. That's that's a fair reason. Uh, pretty much like a, a free run for the other team, it's like a gift. <laughs> All right, last yeah, note. I, of, oh god, I do not like the shadow runner. I do not like coin flips. Um, I need the sun to be at all times. So no shadows, and uh, I don't know. Give everyone a fair chance. Like, what if Josh Allen picks side? Like. Could have been right. Who knows? Would have changed the game. Would have changed the rest of this season. Quick stats for you here. These are the four teams that won this weekend. A team that got sacked nine times. A team that scored no offensive touchdowns. A team that had four turnovers. A team that gave up a go-ahead touchdown with 15 seconds left. All four of those teams won. Not what you would expect. Definitely not. Um, I think this week will probably be a little different, but hey, I'm I'm here for the chaos. Always am. Always here for the chaos. Speaking of chaos, it's not really much. There can be chaos in this segment. Bulletin board material. <sighs> yes. And this is the first time I'm doing a little Weedle since the Weedle's back. Right. We, we we talked about the Weedle last time, but he hadn't played yet. I don't know oh, oh 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 okay. Actually, no, this is an important conversation here. 
The uh, I did say Return of the Weedle in that text, didn't I? Okay, so Eric Weddle is the Weedle. Antonio Brown is King Weedle. What? what? <laughs> I don't know, but my uh, my bulletin board material for the week. I believe it's just one because I thought this quote was so awesome, and I've been saving it now for like nine days. Um. Andy Reid, when asked yep. if the Chiefs have the same championship hunger, if you have a piece of chocolate cake and you see another dangling in front of you, you're going to want it. That's how I feel about the Super Bowl. It's the ultimate chocolate cake. I saw that quote. And well, I'll say this, the first thing that popped in my head after reading that was like, wow, that's awesome. The second thing that popped in my head was like, Sean Bulletin board material, book it. 100%. <laughs> Yes, and I actually found it on time this time, Finn. I was organized. I had the outline open. It was coming. What? Special guest Stephen A. started playing. I guess I leaned on my mouse. and. <laughs> Oops, but uh, Finn, your bulletin board material. All right, I have a few here. First one, this is a person I've not thought about in a while. It's Dwayne Bowe former wide receiver, most notably from the Kansas City Chiefs. He was also an overpaid Cleveland Browns free agent. There's quite a few of those. So, <laughs> Dwayne Bowe decided to tweet, Imagine if I had Pat Mahomes, no offense to Matt Castle. Out of the blue, very random, you could have just said, wow, Pat Mahomes is awesome, would have loved to play with him. He had to throw in the no offense to Matt Castle. And Matt Castle responded, just seeing this, I'm trying to take the kids sledding and I'm catching strays. Sheesh, you're buying dinner next time I see you for this. <laughs> Matt Castle, Dwayne Bow discourse in 2022. Can uh, D'Amico Ryan and Kellen Moore join in? Oh, absolutely. That would be a, a great conversation right there. Uh, moving on here, next guy here, Dick Buckus, Hall of Fame linebacker from the Chicago Bears, just got a Twitter, and he's been tweeting a lot. He seems to enjoy it, but also like, he enjoys it, but strictly for reasons of like shitting on people, which is pretty great. Uh, here's one of his tweets. Just like that, got the blue hash mark. Not a hash, whatever. Now let's start calling out all the doubters. I don't know who is doubting Dick Buckus in 2022, considering he played decades ago, but he's ready to call everybody out. So that's some bulletin board material for sure. Uh, third one, I was pretty surprised to see this because I thought that I would already know about all of the famous athlete pairings in high school, considering how much we've seen the, you know, Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford were teammates and all that stuff. Apparently, the top two wide receivers, I don't have the name of the high school here, but Devontae Adams was the wide receiver, and Jock Peterson was the other wide receiver, and apparently during Jock's senior year, he had more receiving yards and touchdowns than Devontae Adams. Wouldn't have expected that. And then our last one here, sticking with high school football, this is bulletin board material from High School Opponents of Derrick Henry. It's a very funny article written by the New York Times where they interviewed several non-NFL players that played in high school against Derrick Henry and how that went for them. And here's a quote from 
Michael Cassidy, who is currently a real estate broker, he said, we were all in the growing stage and he was pretty much done with that. And it's a picture of Derrick Henry taking a snap from shotgun and he is at least twice the size of everybody else on the field. So, yeah. He's he's a very big boy. It's like... Uh... What the, what's the guy's name? Uh, Sean Oakman. That picture. Oh, or, Sean uh, Oakman. Or the wow. Derrick Henry, the Derrick Henry picture next to uh, Mark Ingram, also legendary. Jose Altuve, Aaron Judge. Yes. Oh, hold on. That is bold. I don't know if this is this is definitely not a little Weedle. So I guess it's Baltimore board material. Um. So, uh, I think I haven't. Have we talked? Have we talked about my deal toy or no? I think no. I brought it up. I have not. Okay, I talked to Colin about it then, I guess. So anytime there's like a big deal at a bank, like they get like a, a deal toy, which is essentially just like an adult version of a trophy to just like celebrate and commemorate it, whatever, like pretty cool. Um, I was in charge of a project. Well, I wasn't in charge. I was in charge of ordering the deal toy for the project. Um, but I was in charge of picking the project name. And... The company's based in Houston, Texas. So my options I gave were like Texan, Astro, Euler, Cougar, just picking mascots. And I got made fun of for it, but they picked Project Astro. So we had Project Astro. Project Astro went well. The company priced $450 million worth of bonds. And I got to order the deal toy. Now, since the Astros lost the World Series, I've told absolutely no baseball. But I, we have an artist. Apparently, we have an artist. And uh, the artist just decided, give me some baseball designs anyway. I sent it to the company. And Finn, did you get the text what uh, what I got? That's awesome. It is a, I don't have a measuring tape, but based on just size and knowing baseball bats, it's at least 34 inches. 34 inch baseball bat engraved with the Goldman logo, the PNC logo, the company logo, which is Stewart, and then $450 million, 3.6% inaugural 10-year senior unsecured note. And the knob of the bat has the Astros logo engraved on it. I mean, what on earth would I do if I did not have a custom $450 million baseball bat? That's fantastic. So I've currently got the sample in my hands, currently doing my batting stance. But even more funny is that um, I was in charge, so I got the sample. So mine came first, but I ordered, I believe, 24 more. <laughs> this is being shipped to your place in New York. Uh, I think to the, some of them to the office, some of them to Texas. But, uh, oh, okay, okay, that's better. But yeah, that'd be really funny if I got 27 <laughs> commemorative baseball bats shipped to me. But I peaked. I've ordered a baseball bat for work purposes. That's perfect. But 34, like, didn't do a mini bat? No, it what? is thin. It, so they didn't even drill off the top because it's not a real bat. This thing is heavy. Like, I feel like I'm in, like, 1950, like, <laughs> like Mickey <laughs> Like, cool. I think I could I could get jammed really badly. This guy would not break. He's wow. thick. So if, anyone, if any of the listeners, maybe one day we'll do a giveaway for a Stewart Information Services baseball bat. <laughs> but anyway um i don't really think it's baltimore material or a little weedle so i sort of just fell in there but uh colin what do you got 
got a couple things here for you, fellas. We're in a backlog because last week where I didn't have a lot, so uh, I got Bart Scott, who is a former NFL player um, for the Ravens and the Jets. He tweeted at Josh Allen, or not tweeted. I believe he was on. He was, he was commentating, or he was on like a talk show. And he said, "Josh Allen, listening. Can people get this message to him? Viagra. Take a Viagra before the game, baby. Why is there the baby at the end? Apparently, <laughs> it's just like because of the blood circulation effects of it. But I thought it was pretty entertaining that that's what he was saying on the on the national air." So he's done um, this several times, clearly. Yes, clearly. Clearly, this is very common. Um, okay. Yes. Um, did you guys see the picture of Joe Judge at his house? <laughs> yeah. Getting <laughs> five cases of beer and like five pizzas ordered to his house. <laughs> He's awesome. I wanted I wanted to like him a lot. Sad. Dude, he's such a ridiculous human. <laughs> I love it. Um, so Belichick has drafted twelve quarterbacks since joining the Patriots in two thousand. Oh God! And seven of them were in the playoffs. Oh. Mac Jones is the starter for New England. Jared Stidham is the backup for New England. Oh. Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter for San Francisco. Zach Robinson was the Los Angeles assistant quarterbacks coach. Kevin O'Connell, Los Angeles Rams offensive coordinator. Cliff Kingsbury, the Arizona head coach. And Tom Brady, the Tampa Bay starter. So, hey, at least Bill produced some coaches in addition to some some starters. Yeah, I did a double take when I saw that Kevin O'Connell was the Rams offensive coordinator. That was a deep cut name that I forgot about. <laughs> That's a classic right there. Um, and then I got to save a couple of these for the Weedles, but I believe I have one more that fits better into, um, bulletin board. Um, actually, I think that's it. We can go back we can, we can go to something else now. All right. Yeah. So that's all, that's all I got. I think. Good. Yeah, stuff. I got a couple freaking little Weedles. I'll tell you that right now. Okay. Hotly oh anticipated. Dude. What? <laughs> God, I'm so angry. At the little wheels or at something else? At one particular little wheel. Got it. A couple of them are funny, and then there's one that I'm just, like, pretty mad at. All right, that's a, that's a teaser right it's there teaser. for you guys. All right, moving into top fives here. I'm going to kick it off with a man that Drew quite a bit of ire. We've talked about him already on this show from this past weekend. This is Packers special teams coordinator Maurice Drayton. And it was brought to my attention. I I can't remember who exactly. I saw a tweet that said, what is going on in Maurice Drayton's coaching tenure? On his Wikipedia page. He has some interesting coaching stops. So we're going to count down the top five coaching stops from Packers special teams coordinator Maurice Strayton's career. At number five here, this one really isn't that crazy. It's just more so the fact that it immediately followed what's the number one on this list, and that just makes no sense to me. 
He was an assistant coach and an administrator at Goose Creek High School in South Carolina. Um, again, that's a pretty common combo. There are several of my coaches in high school were also administrators at the school. Um, it's just more so that it followed number one. So just keep that in the back of your mind as we count this down here. Number four, he coached everything at the Citadel over a number of years. That was his alma mater. And while he was a coach at the Citadel, he was a graduate assistant. He coached the secondary. He coached tight ends. Offensive tackles. I didn't even know there was a specific offensive tackle coach. I've never seen that before. He coached wide receivers. He coached outside linebackers. He coached special teams. He was a recruiting coordinator. He was an assistant head coach, a defensive coordinator, and the cornerbacks coach. He did a lot of things at the Citadel. So those two aren't too out of the box here. Things really ramp up here, starting at number three. For two years, he was an assistant coach for the Charleston Swamp Foxes. The Charleston Swamp Foxes played in the AF2. That is the developmental league for arena football. Did you guys know that existed? No. I had no idea arena football had a development league. I don't know if it exists anymore, but this man was an assistant coach there for a couple of years for the Charleston Swamp Foxes. Colin, you're a Charleston guy. Do you know anything about the Swamp Foxes? No idea. Fair enough. Number two. Well, CFL action here. He was a coach for the Montreal Alouettes. What kind of coach, might you ask? He was listed as a guest coach. What do we think that means? Did he show up for like a weekend and it's like, hey guys, I'm going to coach you for this game. It, I, I don't understand <laughs> what that means. He only did it for one season apparently. Maybe he only did it for one day. But he was a guest coach. And number one, by far and away the best thing here. Keep, keep in mind, this is the same man that had all the coaching debacles in this Packers 49ers game this past weekend. This is this guy. In 2006... He was the defensive coordinator for the Sainayoki Crocodiles of the Finnish Maple League. Didn't know Finland had a professional football league, the Finnish Maple League. Uh, this I got I got to look it up again because this team apparently has not had much success in recent years. It's probably no wonder why he left to then immediately go after be an assistant coach at a high school after he was coaching in Finland. That's he's probably the only person that's ever done that before. But the San Yoki Crocodiles you know, have had a rough go of it recently. And that's because the Finnish Maple League has had some dominant runs over the course of its tenure. So starting off, had a little bit of, you know, oh, some teams win here and there. But then in the early 90s, it was a dynasty. The Helsinki East City Giants. So there you go, Sean. That would probably be your team. They won four titles in a row in the early 90s, followed by six consecutive titles by the Helsinki Roosters, probably a fierce crosstown rivalry there. And then there was a six-year championship run of the Porvu Butchers. And then more recently, the Helsinki Roosters resumed their dynasty and won eight championships in a row before this past year, uh, presumably being upset by the Kupio Steelers. So that is your Finnish Maple League recap. Uh, Maurice Drayton, 
former defensive coordinator for the San Yoki Crocodiles. Um, probably not going to be the Packers special teams coordinator anymore. Probably not. That is a uh, great deep dive, Finn. That was elite. Thank you. Thank you. Who's next? I'm not sure I can follow that. <laughs> hmm. Colin, you want to go? Um, like, I guess, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have anything yet. So, Ooh, Colin and I are competing here um, with who does not want to go to Finn. Uh, boy. So I was their food item. I've been struggling. John, do you you want me to go to, I I, I got some. Sure. I will build the drama for my food item. So my other big personal news besides starting the job this week is that we just signed our lease today for the apartment. Let's go. Yes. Congrats. Yes. Thank you. So in honor of that, I was going to do the top five apartments we looked at and did not get. Finn, we got a very, really very, 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 very funny one on here. Not really top five in terms of good, just top five in terms of top five. Top five in terms of funny to listen to. They know what it means. Nice. All right. So, kick off the top five with, you know, some not super egregiously bad apartments. You know, they weren't great. They were terrible, but definitely not great. We'll emphasize the not great part. Um, apartment number one was all the way up on 96th Street. Um, it's like a different country. It's very, very far away. <laughs> very far away. Uh, one bedroom was a grand total of... Um, I believe like six feet by seven feet, six foot, seven foot. Yes. So it was basically a den. It was, it was not a bedroom. Uh, the window just looked out into the circular courtyard and the building was so tall that actually never got light. So it was just pitch black. So one person just got a bedroom. that's approximately 40 square feet and it doesn't, there's no light in it at all. Um, in addition to that, the building was up five flights of stairs and was 15 minutes from the subway. Not um, good. Not ideal. Very much not ideal. Um, number four. We're going to go with the apartment that me and Alex saw. So for those of you who are not familiar with the New York neighborhoods, the central neighborhoods in, in, in Midtown and downtown tend to be very, very expensive. So we we're going to a central neighborhood called Nolita, um, which is egregiously expensive. And we saw this problem. Like, oh, it's a good price. We'll go check it out. We hustled over there. You know, we, we had to call the guy and say, hey, like, we okay, we try and get here after the open house. Say, okay. So we get there. Um, my test in these bedrooms to try and see if I can fit a queen bed, like, lengthwise in the room because 
that opens up the space a lot more, right? If you have like a rectangular room and you can fit the clean the queen bed so the long side goes in the width of the room. Just like you can corner it. It's it's a lot easier. Well, I tried to lay down on the floor to like gauge the distance and I so, so my legs are straight and I basically leaned my back down about like 10 to 15 degrees and I hit the wall. Not only that, the apartment was also just like filled with garbage and like people's like weed materials, paraphernalia. It's very dirty. The bedroom is literally like if you tried to like bring a like I don't know how you could like you could maybe fit like a twin bed and um maybe like maybe if you're going crazy you could try and put like a bag of some sort for clothes but like not a dresser no shot like i'm telling you it was when i say like it was probably like the size of like our villanova bathroom but like smaller oh okay yeah yeah and the living room was also like maybe two of the bedrooms like there was like it, it was like a kitchen it was basically a kitchen and then two satellite boxes and they charged Three thousand a month for it, and it was dirty with weed paraphernalia everywhere. So that's number four. Number three. Number three. We're gonna go with an apartment on the. It's got a you know good location, but you go into the apartment and the heater is just like raring. Like it sounds like you can barely hear the broker talk because like the heater is so loud. And he was like, yeah, it must be because it's cold out. And I was like, well, okay. It's probably cold out in New York City, fair amount. Peter probably shouldn't sound like that. It's probably not a good sign. So that's red flag number one. They also advertise the apartments having an outdoor terrace. The outdoor terrace, you climb out the window onto the person below you's roof. Uh, it still had a slope to it, and it was just a green tarp over the 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 uh the roofing the shingles um and that was dramatically increasing the uh, the ambiance of the apartment so we'll do that one as uh as number three and number two we're up to the big boys here now these are the top dogs number two was an apartment that me and Alec, first one we ever applied to we thought we were gonna like it they computerized the furniture so that it would look like way bigger would look like the bedrooms were like eight by 10 probably each the bedrooms were 60 by 80 inches it was a one bedroom apartment that they just threw a wall up in and instead of throwing a wall up where like each room could have a window they just threw a wall up in between them and one bedroom is basically like a large closet it's like a walk-in closet because it has no windows and no ability to like put anything in there except a very small bed. And it was up like five flights of stairs. And then we, so this bedroom is like breaks like five or six laws in New York city about like what can constitute a legal bedroom. And we text the landlord or the broker. We're like, dude, we can't take his apartment. Like the second bedroom's crazy. He's like, what's wrong with it? We're like, dude, like number one, the pictures are faked. Number two, it's like, three different types of illegal and like number four you didn't tell us any of this like fuck you 
So if that guy's listening, go suck that one. Yeah. And number one, this is also part we almost took. We went. It was nice. Um, big, right? Building seemed clean enough, whatever. Me and Jackie were going to view it, and uh, we were – there was just some guy hanging out outside, and we were going to have to wait for the, the broker to come show us the apartment. So we were like, you know what? Why don't we just go in this deli and hang out for a little bit, right? Like, I don't want to hang out inside. It's weird, dude. And everyone in Delhi, like, I'm, we're, like, messing around for a few minutes. And then I see all these, like, kids, like, 10, 12, whatever, crowded around, the like, the CCTV in the deli. I'm like, oh, huh, that's weird. And I see just a video of that same guy we were just next to just cutting the, like, a bike off the lock with, like, a big power saw. And there's, like, sparks going everywhere. Crazy. Just, like, absolutely wild. Right in front of the apartment we were going to take. And then we go back to, like, meet the broker, and there's just, like, a bike lock on the ground. Like, two bike locks just, like, cut apart on the ground. And we were like, oh, that's good. <laughs> but we still didn't think this was really that much of a red flag. So, whatever. We're like, whatever, it's fine, right? Like, I looked up. Some people said it was, like, a decent area. So, I was like, fine, whatever, you know. And then I was trying to find information on the building. So, I was, like, looking up, like, the streets and stuff it was on. One of the headlines was another person gets shot on the drug drenched corner. Oh, this was the corner that was directly in front of the apartment. And this landlord just like would advert like he just put a fake address in the listing app. So it would look like the building was like farther down the street away from the corner than it actually was because it was literally right on the corner. Just like a the one corner in like Manhattan that is right next to a abandoned building and like right down the street from a, uh, like a homeless shelter. So there's just like, it's like the most common drug, hard drug dealing corner in Manhattan. Um, Cause Manhattan's generally very safe. And it's like, just, this is like the one street in Manhattan that's probably like unsafe. And this is like the one corner that's like the worst of it. So we didn't take that apartment. How was the actual but, apartment? Oh, very nice. I mean, it was or it was at least solid, right? It wasn't like terrible. Um, I mean, there was like a notice on the wall about how the landlord like violated something about like taking away someone's heat or something, but like I didn't really pay attention. Ah. To it. But yeah, so those are our top uh, top dogs from the New York City apartment search. Hopefully, I never have to do it again. So my honorable mention, uh, Colin was Finn. Colin looked at an apartment in Florida that was across the hall from me. <laughs> yeah, because that apartment was actually good. Like I, that was a kind of a sick apartment. So you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have minded that one. Too funny. Yeah, but it was literally like the unit across the hall from Sean. Oh my god! Not just in his building, not on his floor. Literally, like Sean is ten B or yeah, no ten D, and this one was ten B. You would live closer to him there than we did on campus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought the golf simulator dream would have been alive, but we will figure it out. All right. Now, my top five. Um, a lot more happy than Colin's uh, apartment saga top five, but he has an apartment now. And since you have an apartment, Colin, you can, you can cook, you can go out to eat. And one thing you may get is fries. So uh, last week, Rachel came up. I saw Colin. I had a decent amount of fries, probably say three three times. And 
you don't really appreciate a good fry until, I don't know, until you get like a soggy fry or fry you don't like. So I'm going to go with top, 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 my top five types of fries. Now, we're coming in with honorable mentions and dishonorable mentions. First, dishonorable mentions, steak fries. Those are just never good. I, I don't know. They're always like too potato-y and like not crispy. So if anyone ever has a good steak fry, let me know. Never had one. And then uh, another dishonorable mention, curly fries. Also doesn't do it for me. They always like curl together and get like kind of soggy. Um, if they're crispy, maybe could play, but... I don't know. Uh, three honorable mentions as well. Honorable mention number one, had to do it. Childhood staple. The smiley face fries, like the ones your mom would buy out of the freezer, put in the freezer and put them in the oven. Smiley face, were they that good? Maybe not, but it was a smiley face. Shoestring fries, um, too much like a chip for me, but they're very tasty. And then did not make my top five by really shocking waffle fries. Um, I don't know. Just did not make the cut. They're a good player, but they just didn't play their best this week. But coming in number five, we're going to go with tater tots. Uh, tater tots are great. They're fantastic. Is it a fry? Maybe not, but it's the same sort of family, so we'll roll with it. Um, no knocks on tater tots, but I don't know. I feel like you could do a lot more with other types of fries. Um, they're good. They're crunchy. They're crispy. You probably eat a million of them, but uh, they also got some points because you could technically have them as a breakfast food, I guess. At least they serve my golden, which is kind of weird. Um, one of my coworkers has hot sauce and tater tots every day for breakfast. Go team. Uh, coming in number four, we're just going to go classic salted. Um, I notice I said salted. Like when you get a fry, nice, crispy, a little bit of salt on the outside. Amazing. Pretty good. The only thing they can make it better is if it's crinkle cut. That's coming in number three, crinkle cut fries. Uh, Shake Shack does it best. Something about those extra grooves to give it like that extra bit of crunch, that factor. Uh, crinkle cut fries come in at number three. Number two, um, sweet potato fries. Don't know. They, for some reason, seem to be the healthy option. I like them a lot. Uh, tasty, very different. Um I probably normally wouldn't order them over normal fries, but like when I do, I'm very satisfied with my purchase. Uh, different taste, different sort of feel. I like them. Coming in number one, the undisputed champ of the fry family because it's not a fry. We're going with onion rings. Uh, the bigger, the better. Give me that beer battered onion ring. Dip it in some ketchup, blue cheese, anything you want. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, that is my top five of fries. And coming in as a mention, it's not an honorable, dishonorable mention. Didn't make top five because I've just never seen it before, before I did my research. A potato tornado. So if anyone has ever tried a potato tornado, let me know. It looks like, like a spiraled potato on a stick fried. But yeah, top five of fries. Um, who's going to fry me on that one? Me. What? What, what are we doing? Okay, first... First of all, first of all, <laughs> the first thing you said here, and you had some dishonorable mentions, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, he's probably going to throw some obscure ones out there. Steak fries and curly fries? <laughs> Sir. All right, steak fries, I will give you the fact that it's they are very potato-y. I do like that, but I can understand how people might not like that. Curly fries are objectively one of the best kind of fries, and I think Colin's going to back me up on that with the Cajun fry seasoning. 
The curly fry, the fact that crinkle fries are so high and curly fries are so low is a, like a disservice. Like it's like an insult to like God. It's an insult to God. I don't know. I just like, I picture curly fries like in like a bucket, kind of soggy and I'm mostly cold. But like, I don't know. You could change my mind with a good curly fry. I just Arby's. Oh, Arby's. We're gonna get a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of spicy chicken sandwiches and make our noses bleed too. <laughs> but anyway, Finn, continue. So that this this is not where the beef start. This is just my dishonorable mention. Yeah, so that's it. That's just that. Um, onion rings at number one. Not a fry. <laughs> not a fry at all. Tater tots. I was on the fence about. I was like, not really a fry. But I'll give it to you. I was going to give you some more crap if you'd like threw hash browns in there too. But so I had home home fries and hash browns. Like I thought were out of bounds, but I feel like tater tots and onion rings are served as like as a fry. Like yeah, it's a side. I I didn't didn't put mac and cheese bites on here. I could have done that too. (laughs) You could have done fried food. Yeah. (laughs) Well. Other beyond that too, where are bacon cheese fries and chili cheese fries? I was thinking you were going to put some cheese fries on there too. That was missing. So I mean, that's the best part about calling a crinkle cut fry. More surface area can hold cheese, bacon, all that stuff. More surface area, steak fry. But then those are we, like, what are we soggy. doing? What are we doing? But more importantly, Finn, have you had a potato tornado? Because I need to try one of these things. No, I have not. I did look it up. They look. I thought it was going to be. Um, I had a potato cone once at a restaurant <laughs> near, like in Connecticut. And funny enough, actually, I think the guy saw I was wearing a Villanova shirt, and he went to Cabrini. So I talked to him about the infamous Cabrini athletes party that we accidentally crashed story. But anyway, potato cone was pretty good, but the potato tornado I think is on another level that I'm not mentally prepared to try. It's huge. What do you, what do you think, Sean? Are you, are you going right for the tornado, uh, Yeah, the potato? potato tornado, like, it seems like a gimmick you have to try, but I don't know if I'd like it, to be honest. Um, this isn't like a big it looks potato. more like a chip, than, a chip than a fry to me, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad my top five caused some controversy. Really got the pot stirring here before we head into game picks. <laughs> Do have Weedles to clear before then. I have one. Well, actually, I have three, but they are all under the same category. If you are a fan of the Dallas Cowboys and you thought you were escaping this show without being made fun of, you are sadly mistaken. You almost made it to the end without us talking about the Cowboys collapse, but not quite. Three little weedles from the Cowboys lost to the 49ers. Number one is going to be Jerry Jones for building a stadium that basically at the time you cannot see. (laughs) The sun shines in exactly when it's going to be, you know, middle of the game, you know, five something PM and it blinds every player on the field, specifically Cedric Wilson, who wasn't able to catch a pass on a crucial third down because of the blinding sun. Absolutely ridiculous. 
Number two, we're going to go with, well, number two and number three belong to the same person, but it's Mike McCarthy. He made a good call at one point, going for a fake punt that ended up being successful. Good job, Mike. He then proceeded to waste a minute of game clock by leaving the punt team out on the field and lining up for a play, never snapping it, and then trying to run the offense back on, and then they called it a delay of game. So even after you do something good, you still mess it up, Mike McCarthy. And then, of course, the final play call, driving down to try and go win the game. QB draw with 13 seconds left. Funny, 13 seconds. Chiefs were able to run two plays, get into field goal range, kick a game-tying field goal. The Cowboys ran a quarterback draw and weren't able to get another snap off. And you can make the thing where it's like, oh, the ref's fault, you know, because the ref had to touch the ball and he bumped into Dak Prescott. No, you you know the risks you're running when you call that. You can't leave that up to chance. Ridiculous. All ridiculous points, but Finn, maybe not as ridiculous as my one little Weedle. Well, I was going to use the sun, but use the sun. Um, uh, my roommate Jack tonight. Uber Eats from across the street. I'm not sure we can get much lower. I might have buy a fishing pole and just like cast it out and just like have them drop something on the rod. But yeah, um, that's a little weedle. Very little weedle. Especially too, because the little buzzer thing scared me. So that just makes it more a little weedle. Wait, so I'm confused. Can you Can you explain what happened here? So he was ordering dinner, and he did Uber Eats, mm-hmm. but from literally across the street and, like, maybe, oh. like, three buildings left. <laughs> Got it. Like, well, the distance and perspective, Finn, is, like, I'm going to say your room and arch to, like, maybe the bridge. What? <laughs> <laughs> maybe the parking lot, if we're being generous. Very, very close. Jeez. The order of breeds um, from there. The guy, the, I, I just think the guy on the bike must have been very excited when he picked it up and like went to go like bike like seventy blocks and was like, wait, it's right there. Perfect. That's funny. Did he get at least get delivered like to his room? Yeah, it came up, so I guess that helps. But still, though, still not. It's it's a little weedle worthy, but yeah. it was five guys. So five guys is not a little weedle. Five guys is great fries, salted fin, not curly or steak. Best fry in the game. You can have a salted curly fry. It's not like yeah, much. yeah. What, what kind of unsalted fries have you been having? <laughs> if what? I don't know. I just like something about like a. I didn't know how to describe it. Like a, just a regular crispy fry with. I don't know salt it's on like it. A, what, an actual like a well seasoned fry, like a, a fry made by someone who's not a dumbass. <laughs> yes, that's how I phrase it. All right, fair enough. Um, is it my little weedle turn now? I believe it is. All right. Well, should I save my, should I use my actual little wheels first or my personal vendetta first? Personal vendetta last. Cause we've got to build up to it. All right. Um, I'm just going to dunk on Matt Nagy again. It's always a good time. He could be a little weedle basically every week, but <laughs> God, the Athletic did an article that was just hilarious. Like, hilariously bad 
from Mad Nagy. It made me feel bad for Mitchell Trubisky. Like, like, yeah, Mitchell Trubisky wasn't great, but like, dude, this it was this is a tough article. So basically, one of my favorite excerpts from the article is just like Nagy was like a bad coach, blah blah blah, standard stuff, and then this just absolute gem. Mitch Trubisky showed up to a meeting at the end of the season, just like ready, like with notes, like ready to go over stuff with Nagy. And Nagy just never showed up. <laughs> like they scheduled a meeting together to talk about how Mitch Trubisky can improve as a quarterback. And he just didn't come. <laughs> like he just never showed up. Just like imagine being the coach of the team and doing that. No, this is like a reverse of that situation where the Raiders coaches were, they thought that Jamarcus Russell wasn't watching film. So they gave him a tape that was blank and told him to study it and come back tomorrow to see what he saw. And then he came back tomorrow and was like, Oh yeah, there was some good stuff on there. So clearly he was, you know, lying about it, but that was a player, not the coach. The coach didn't come. This is also another excerpt. Trubisky would be in the middle of camp and be like, guys, none of this stuff is working. Or he'd be pointing out the problems with the offense and he'd be getting this, oh no, man, don't worry at all. It'll all come together. Have faith. Trust the process. Oh no. And then they got to the season and all those same things would happen. Which is just, dude. Like, that is just a damning condemnation of you as a coach. Like, you should never get another job again after you lose this job, man. Like, that's brutal. Yeah. I mean, I guess it looks good for Mitch. So, go Mitch. So, apparently, they wanted to, like, they kept trying to hire other people, but they actually wanted to, like, not report directly to the like so Ryan Pace to get the GM job Pace had a GM he had a recommendation from Mickey Loomis the Saints GM who was tight with uh, the Bears organization and Chris Ballard was gonna be the hire for the Bears and Ballard had two requests. He wanted to report directly to, like, basically, he wanted to move on from Jay Cutler, and he wanted to report directly to the owner. And because of those two things, that he wanted to move on from Jay Cutler and he wanted to report directly to the owner, they didn't hire Chris Ballard. They hired Ryan Pace instead. Which is just absolutely hilarious because the Bears do the, that. That is just, like, damning for the ownership group and for the – like, that's so tough, bro. Like, there's no excuse for any of that. And now you did, you gave Justin Fields a year of that too. It's just a complete joke. Yeah, it's an easy time to kind of uh, make fun of your fellow NFC North teams there. Dude, I'm feeling great. Vikings are in a tailspin. Bears are a 
wreck. And the Packers are fifty million over the cap with Rodgers possibly leaving. So I'm feeling pretty good, man. That is good to hear. Although I will say the Vikings did hire the first, I'd say primarily analytics role based GM in NFL history today, Quisi Adolfo Mensa from the Cleveland Browns. So I didn't know that. Yeah. I got I got to see what they do with cousins. Yeah. I gotta look because up like that. if yeah I don't know like if if they're gonna go for a rebuild I'm not that threatened, but if if they're gonna try and reboot I could be convinced that they could be a problem if they do a good job. Um. All right, I guess it's personal vendetta time because I think I've been through all my my little weedles here. Yeah, because I did a lot of it during Bolton Board. So it's a new segment, not a little weedle. Colin's personal vendetta. Yes, and this actually involves the Lions tangentially. Okay. I got one more Bolton Board. <laughs> oh no, we still got the teasers. It is. It's. 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 You gotta make. You gotta make them wait for it. Matt Stafford has six playoff touchdowns with the Rams. Jared Goff had four playoff touchdowns with the Rams. No, what? Isn't that crazy? Oh my God. Dude, four play. Think about how many playoff games he played. Like a lot. <laughs> to a Super Bowl. To a Super Bowl. Dude. Jeez. Absolutely brutal. I hope Stafford gets one. All right, back to the personal vendetta. And I don't know how you guys are going to react to this. Because, like, some people have different opinions on this. Kayvon Thibodeau, bro, don't like it. Don't want you on the Lions. Don't want you anywhere near my city. Get out. Don't come. I, we, I'd rather, I'll draft George Kalaftis over you. I don't want you. Dude, that was like – so for those of you who don't know, Kayvon was doing an interview – and they basically said, like, why'd you go to Oregon, essentially? Like, you had offers from, like, Alabama and these other schools. So, like, what made you choose Oregon? I have no problem with Oregon. I think that Oregon's relationship with Nike is a great reason to choose them as a school from a branding perspective. I have no problem with that. That is, I think, a, a very valid take to have. Like, like they have it. They've always had. When I was a kid, I loved watching the Oregon, the, the the three uniform. It was cool. Like they were just like a sick. They had a sick corporate relationship there. Kayvon decided to say uh, instead. Basically, he said that nah, basically the Alabama's schooling is significantly. He said it was basically shitty. He said. For me, I already hate the stigmatism of football players being dumb jocks. Do you know the stigmatism of Alabama education? It ain't the West Coast. It ain't Harvard. Number one, I don't like the coastal elitism being a hardy Midwestern like myself. Number two, he's riffing about dumb jocks and how Alabama's education ain't the West Coast. It ain't Harvard, which, hey, Kayvon, Oregon isn't Harvard either, bud. Go to, go to Harvard, bro. Go to an Ivy. All right? And then talk to me. Because Alabama's ACT to get in is higher than Oregon's. 
their education, they're like 20 spots ahead or like they're 15 spots apart in, in like public school education rankings. They're essentially identical, really. There's hardly any difference except for where the school is located in, in their educational rankings. Or Alabama graduates, some of they, they I would argue that Nick Saban's standards for his football players academically compared to a lot of schools in that caliber are more than likely higher. I think that that program is much better put together than a lot of the programs around it in, in, uh, in football caliber, but no, he just decided to take shots at Alabama for no other reason than to justify his going to Oregon because they were worse at football than Alabama. And because he's still salty that Alabama won a lot more than he did. But you know what? That's fine. I just, I prefer, I want players on the lines who think before they, number one, they think before they speak. And number two, they're respectful people. I want them to be on the football field and be absolute animals, right? But Penny Sewell, Aline McNeil, all my favorite players in Lions are very respectful media personalities. Matt Stafford, back in the day. I don't need Kayvon. I don't want him. Get him out. Don't want him. Go take your Oregon elitist education somewhere else, big shot. Now, say that the worst case scenario here happens. The Lions draft Kayvon Thibodeau first overall. And in his first game, he gets a sack really early on. Looks good. How do you feel then? No response. It's just. I basically <laughs> feel the same way I felt. It would basically be like Finn. You know, it would be like. Hmm, this is a tough one. I'm trying to just to, to think of this in a way that would be appropriate. It would basically be like if you were – imagine somehow you're a Steelers fan. Okay. Imagine you're a Steelers fan and the Steelers signed Vontez Perfect. Oh. That's how I would feel. Oh, and no. Vontez Perfect made a good play. Oh, my God. That would be how I would feel. <laughs> it would be a lot of roiling emotions of like happiness and just like just putrid disgust. Wow, this is this is a deep personal vendetta. It it was it was a weird move by him to say all that stuff. It was just so unnecessary. My, look, my vendetta is excessive because you know I'm a I'm a I'm partial to the University of Alabama. However, yes. it was definitely like objectively speaking, like I think that the Barcelona guy wrote a good article about it. It's just like. Why? Like it was so like it was a completely uncalled for shot for like no reason to do that. Like you're in an interview, like nobody's saying that you need to like even if they said like why did you choose Oregon Alabama? And he was just like, you know, I liked the academic environment better and I thought it was like a better fit for me. Or like I thought that like that the academic environment at Oregon was great. Nobody would have batted an eye. But he had to go, Oh, like Alabama education, you know, that's, there's a, there's, there's, there's a stigma around that. Like I, I might actually want to do something after football. Like, dude, come on, bro. Do not trash Orange Beach. Cannot trash Orange Beach, bro. Hey, 
I'll tell you what. I'll, dude. I get bitching Nick Saban keeps more of those guys on a straight and narrow than freaking Chip Kelly or any of the other whack-a-doodles they've had at freaking Oregon over the years. Mario Cristobal, who's now getting rid of the turnover chain. He's actually, I actually don't mind Mario Cristobal. I hope he does well. No more turnover chain. Yeah, I know. The tower chain's pretty sick. Like, I don't know why you get rid of that, but I don't know, bro. That was just you know what? I give me Hutch, bro. Give me Hutch. Or Carl Aftis. Or give me Kyle Hamilton, dude. I want Kyle. Yeah, that guy's a stud. Kyle Hamilton's a good player. He's a monster. And also has a podcast. So. All right, Colin, you good? <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm done. Game picks time. Yep. Not many of them left. I'm now realizing it sounded like Sean was taking a deep breath before he was about to intro this section, so I apologize if I cut you off there. No, I was taking a deep breath after Colin's deep dive. Ah, deep breath, deep dive. Now, before we reveal the standings, I have a clarification question here. So we created this new... Um, system of point scoring before our last or during our last show where you could gain more points but also lose points lose more points than you would by picking the spreads of games i just want to make sure that i have all of this right so if you pick a favorite to win it's just like our normal standard picks if you get it right you get one in the win column you lose you get one in the lose column favorite to cover it was plus two, minus two, which I remember us talking about. And I remember us talking about underdog to win outright. Plus three if you win, minus one if you lose. The one I couldn't remember for sure was underdog covering. So, for example, from this past weekend, uh, Colin and I had 49ers plus five and a half. I know that you get two points if you win that. Do you get two point or minus two if you lose that, or was it minus one? I was under the impression it was minus one, but I could be wrong. I wrote it as yeah. minus one. I thought it was minus one too. Cool. Okay, we're on the same page. Actually, I actually thought it was minus fifteen. Because uh, I need to come back. <laughs> With all that being said, we have to mention Super Wildcard Weekend. Sean had. I think I can dec- the greatest weekend in game picks history because that was pretty crazy. Yeah, six and zero is impressive, but you know we've had you know fourteen and two on here before. But it's not only that he went six and zero; he picked four spreads and one upset, and he got it all right. So he got Bengals, he got Bills minus four, Bucks minus eight and a half. He got the 49ers upset, he got the Chiefs covering and the Rams covering. It was a clean sweep. Twelve and zero. He basically cut the – I mean, it was, it was a big lead that Colin and I had on him, but he put a significant dent in it after that. But unfortunately, Sean, you liked it. This week was not good. That did not continue <laughs> into this week. So we picked the games off air because we didn't have a show this last week. And the current standings are based off of percentages because now we're going to have different totals. Uh, Sean's in third – at 54.3%. Colin over 500, is, we're good. Over 500. 
Colin is in second at 62.8%, and I am in first at 64.9%. So, with all that being said, I haven't worked out the numbers for what it would take for Colin or for Sean to (laughs) end up passing me here. So, don't have a strategy yet, but we're going to pick these two games for this upcoming weekend and also do maybe a little preview because there's only the two of them. So, first guy is Bengals at Chiefs, the AFC Championship. The line is Chiefs by seven. Bengals. He has to do it. I, I want to see it too, so I'll root with my heart here. I'm going to go Chiefs to cover. I think this is a blowout. I think it's a blow. Why, why do you think it's a blowout? I'm going to pick Chiefs, but not to cover. I, I thought that the last game I watched that the Chiefs were in a completely different – the last two games I watched, the Bengals-Titans game and the, and the Chiefs-Bills game, the Bengals are in a completely different class than the Chiefs right now. Their offense, like, he got sacked, what, eight or nine times against nine. Titans, Joe Burrow? Like, you're not going to do that and compete with the Chiefs offense. It's going to score at will. Like, they're not – like, the Chiefs are going to put up 30 points, and how many points are the Bengals going to put up? I don't think they're going to score 25 or 20. Like, I think it's going to be about like 35, like 35, 21, 35, 24, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think that just a few weeks ago, the Bengals beat this chiefs team, but I agree with Colin that I think that the Bengals won't be able to keep up with how the chiefs offense is humming right now. And uh, the offensive line on Cincinnati is not in great shape. Oh, also, I meant forgot to mention this earlier. I got very sad because I saw the freaking Penesul Jamar Chase meme from the draft season appear again. People being like, maybe offensive line is important. Dude, the Bengals are in the divisional round of the fucking playoffs when their over-under for wins was five and a half this season. You don't think Jamar Chase had anything to do with that? Yeah. I think Come that on. if you're saying still that like, Jamar Chase is the right decision, a thousand times out of a thousand. Do the Bengals need to take at least two or three offensive linemen in this draft? Yes. But, like, dude, Jamar Chase is a special player. Come on. That meme. God damn it. It's absolutely. That's a classic meme. Yeah. Oh, wait, did you guys see the Washington Commanders is confirmed? Did not. Oh, that's the team name? Uh... Wait, what are you talking? You're talking about the the dinosaurs. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. The Washington. Who is it confirmed by? A guy on Reddit. Oh God. He's tracking. <laughs> he's, he's tracking the domain name. No. The domain name was transferred to the same company the NFL uses for all their domains at 7:34 today. Uh, I guess. I guess it is. No, it's not. But okay. like, it might be. <laughs> I just love that. It's like, oh, breaking news. What's going on here? What's the source? Guy from Reddit. Awesome. Guy from Reddit tracking domains on website. Yes. I would prefer the Washington football team, but like. No, I, I, I've i seen that take out there a lot. Give the team a real name. Nah, bro. I like it. I like it. I think it's cool. I don't, I don't mind the Washington football team name. I initially didn't like it, but it grew on me a little bit. But I'm still, name the team. It's going to get old. 
Yeah, I don't know, bro. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big, I'm a big Washington football team. You're a big soccer guy. You're a big uh, football club guy. So that, that's that yeah. might be explaining that. All right, 49ers at Rams NFC Championship game. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. Uh, 49ers have kind of owned the Rams in the past few times they've played, I believe. But Rams favored by three and a half in this one. Yeah, the Rams just look much. Uh, the 49ers looked awful last week. The Packers lost that game. Rams, um, but wait, no, I can't pick the Rams. Um, I can't win anyway. I'm picking the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> just Rams spread, no spread. I'm gonna lose by a lot, so we'll go uh, Rams spread. Cool. I think there's a much higher chance of the 49ers pulling the upset than the Bengals. I'm not going to pick it, but because I think there is a legitimate chance of the 49ers winning this game, I'm just going to pick the Rams straight. No spread. Of course. I'm going to take the Rams to cover. Entirely fair. Jimmy G was not good last week. He's still dealing with that industry. Not industry, Jesus. That injury. But there's something about the 49ers – they don't need to throw the ball nearly as much as other teams do to the creativity in the run game with Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, and co. Um, the defense is much, much better than I thought it was. I didn't realize how good their defense was until watching this past week's game with D'Amico Ryans at the helm. And, of course, the, the number one thing to consider in this game, um, <laughs> I just couldn't believe this name crossed my phone when I, I got a Bleacher Report notification earlier today. Apparently, Mohamed Sanu is active, so that's going to save everybody. Dude. I completely forgot about him. He's going to throw the ball, Finn, really fast. That's his thing. He did throw a sick touchdown once to Julio Jones in Atlanta. I don't know if you guys remember that play. That was a cool play. That was a cool play. All right, does anybody else have anything else to add? For, for the people, um, thank you for listening. Very fun episode, as always. Good to catch up. And, uh, yeah, I was going to say go Cats, but I have to wait for someone else to say something first. Yeah, should be an exciting weekend of football up ahead. Glad to hear that Colin has an apartment. Glad to hear that Sean had life-changing pasta. And, uh, yeah, all good stuff. All great stuff. Go Cats.